Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to season four, episode two of Pounding the Table. For those that missed last week, PTT made some sweeping changes, adding our new host, Joey Salitro, to the mix. Provided a lot more balance and strategic approach given his 13 years of investing experience. I'm finally back on Twitter after a 36-hour quit ban, but we are back, baby. It is Memorial Day weekend. It's 80 and sunny here in Minnesota. Joey's dealing with some wind and rain in the D.C. area. So, Joey, you ready to bring that thunder? Oh, man, I'm ready. Let's do another episode. Mark is finally green this week, man. We're giving Tony the week off. He's got some things going on with his family. So, long Memorial Day weekend. Joey and I are ready to rock here this week. So, Joey, what's going on, man? We finally had a little green week this week. Yeah, I saw, you know, we, we've had a nice little up week. We had seven consecutive down weeks on the S&P. So, had we had an eighth, I've read something along the lines of that wouldn't have happened since uh, the 1920s. So while it was great to finally break that big losing streak, it's still too early to get too excited, in my opinion. I totally agree, Joey. Obviously, we had a, a nice little week here, but I, I certainly still don't feel like we're out of the woods. There was that inflation news this morning, if you want to touch on that a little bit here. Yeah, I, following the key inflation gauge that the Fed follows, I saw something like 4.9%, which is still well above their target range of 2%. So while it wasn't as bad as previous months, I mean, it still shows that that is out of control. And I feel like there's been two or three different times where, you know, we have these two or three up days in a week where you see some hyper growth tech stocks making seven, 10% move to the upside. And everybody wants to say, oh yeah, it's finally happening. Here we go. We hit bottom. But I saw a chart, you know, previously that showed the 2008 to 2009 decline where, you know, you had like eight different instances with these bear market rallies where you'd get a four or 5% swing, an 8% swing. One time there was like a 15% swing and it was all on a continued downtrend. So while I want to get excited and want to call my own bottom, it's just, I think it's too early for that. And I feel like we really won't know that the bull market is back until we're, you know, much more in the thick of it. What kind of indications are, are we looking at to see, no one's calling bottoms out here, of course, but like, is it the Fed as Tony always talks about in, in your mind, or what are you looking for to feel a little more comfortable getting back into some stuff? You know, I, I tend to ignore all of the, you know, external commentary, all the experts. I feel like all the data that comes out is so dated or, you know, the reaction, it, it's all so reactionary to old data. Mm -hmm. And I like to just follow the absolute market. So like the market's a forward looking mechanism. It's a timing mechanism, all these different things, all these different sayings. I tend to ignore all of that and just look at what's going on right here, right now. And since we are focused on the very long term, I'm always looking at the absolute best in breed companies and looking to accumulate at valuations that I find attractive. Like my style is more of, I wanna buy the most mission critical platforms or infrastructure in the tech space because, you know, it has to follow that, the snap test, the, the funeral test, whatever you wanna call it, where you wanna own the companies that if they went away, it would cause serious issues for all of their customers or their entire user base. So, right. so like a CrowdStrike's a prime example where the absolute gold standard in cybersecurity, those are the type of companies that I've owned for the long term and that I want to keep accumulating in markets like this because I know that this is going to become, given cybersecurity, I know that this is going to become even more important over the long term. So mm -hmm. ignoring most of the noise and just focusing on, on my strategy and the absolute long term. 
Yeah. Well, speaking of that too, I, I believe is crowd there next week for earnings. I believe so. I want to say it was uh, June 2nd, they report. Okay. Yeah. And then CRM too is another one that's like hard to pull out, right? I've been in many tech companies working there and it, you can't just rip Salesforce out either. I, I don't know if it's as critical, right? As cybersecurity, like the company cannot function, obviously there could be an attack and that is paramount. There's a lot of these tech companies and I agree. I think that's a smart way to look at it is what's hardest to pull out. Although Snow and some of those other companies, they've been pretty beat up recently. Yeah, it's been a pretty rough year for Snowflake. Um, full disclosure, I am a shareholder of Snowflake. And it's one of the reasons I own this. And I mean, it's the same reason I bought MongoDB years ago, um, CrowdStrike years ago, is because, you know, they are the absolute gold standard at what they do. And you just see these incredible growth rates with the incredible potential for this to compound over the long term. You look at Frank Slootman, he always talks about their 10-year guide, and I want to say it's $10 billion in revenue by 2029. And you see the base that they're working on when they originally made those projections. Like, this is an absolute growth machine where the stock is expensive if you look at it on like a price to sales. But if you look at basically the potential for this to compound over the long term, and if you keep that focus, don't look at where it is today, but where it could be 10 years from now. I find the current valuation to be very attractive and you really don't get a lot of these over the years. So, you know, I'm, I'm very picky when it comes to, you know, paying very high multiples for companies, but Snowflake's one of those that absolutely passed my test. So I was hoping to get a bigger earnings decline to slowly build that position, but you know, it, it just didn't pull back as significant. And just like Nvidia, you know, it, it had tanked, went green and it's just kind of like, trading sideways for now. So if we get a sustained downturn, I would definitely add to my position. But for right now, I'm happy just holding on and seeing what happens. Yeah. One thing you want to look at there too is like the net revenue retention rate. Uh, I was just pulling that up. 178% as of January 31st, 2022 for snow. So that's kind of what we're talking about here in terms of being able to pull it out. Like clearly that what that number is showing you essentially is they're growing with their current customer base more than they're churning, right? So they net... Potentially don't even need to bring on any new clients because they're growing with their current client base like that. Snowflake's one of those that, you know, I've talked to a few of my old tech uh, founders and that's one that they absolutely love as well. So I, I think I agree with you, like down the road, that one's going to be sticking around. Joey, let's get into uh, the stock twits trending tickers of the week. The first one we're obviously going to talk about here is Snapchat. So they absolutely got demolished on earnings. Obviously, we saw kind of take the rest of tech down with it. I think it came down like from 20 to $13 or something crazy. Yeah, I was looking. I want to say it fell over 40% that day. And, you know, what happened was they came out and said the guidance that we gave in April, they saw some macroeconomic headwinds. Um, and I think the exact term was the macroeconomic environment deteriorated faster than it had anticipated. So the entire revenue and adjusted EBITDA guidance that they provided they said that they would not be able to meet. That was almost like the last straw for investors. So you saw a lot of people just absolutely run for the hills. And the problem there was, you know, this is such a huge advertising machine that you saw it cause massive hits in Facebook, Pinterest, even the trade desk, which didn't make all that much sense because, you know, it's more on the programmatic side and more insulated than these other players. So that's when the trade desk actually came out and reiterated its guide, which you know, it helped it rebound from that Snapchat induced sell-off. 
but we still haven't heard anything from companies like Facebook or Pinterest. So I feel like this is perfect time for them to come out and follow Trade Desk's lead and reiterate their guide. Or it would have been a perfect time during that bloodbath for those companies to come out and say, hey, yeah, we're seeing the same thing. Because then it's almost like, hey, one bloodbath and done. Or that's where it gives their investors a reason to, to you know, get more bullish on the business and say, you know, we're not like Snapchat. Our guidance is still correct and we believe in what we're going to do. Yeah. Looking at it too, all these like tech layoffs, right? There's been like massive tech layoffs recently for Netflix and I believe Facebook and a number of different companies, right? And so they're not stupid. They see what's going on, right? In terms of what's happening here in the future. So that's an indicator. We're not fully out of the woods here because clearly, you know, not only from the ad side of things, but they're seeing it across the board where the growth may be slowed a little bit, right? If they're going to be freezing, hiring, and even doing layoffs to that capacity. Yeah, the days of growth at all costs um, are far behind us. And, you know, you see these headlines of VCs telling their portfolio companies like, hey, you need to, you know, start cutting expenses, slow the hiring, or yeah, lay off, lay off employees, you know, find a way to reduce expenses because, yeah, the growth at all costs market is gone. The cost of capital, you know, it, it, it was for a long time, it almost seemed like money was free. Anybody could get anything at 0%. And now it like these companies aren't given free lunches anymore. And, and so it's actually good. I think the next thing, not good for the layoff sense, but good that it's finally impacting the private market because for the longest time, it's like a company would raise cash at one valuation, nine months later, raise again at like double the previous valuation. And it just got so out of hand that then these companies are coming public at absurd valuations. So first is like the public market corrected. And we talked about this on the last episode, whereas like SPACs, small caps, mid caps, and down the line, now it's finally getting to the private market where they're like, listen, these valuations are out of control. Your expenses are out of control. So it's like after Apple and all the mega caps started correcting, now it, it finally hit the private market. One of the companies you were mentioning does $9 million in revenue and it's trying to get a, a $1 billion valuation. Like that's, that's the shit we're talking about here, you know? I did see that headline. I don't want to call anybody out, but yeah, I did see, yeah, a company had $9 million in revenue was trying to raise cash at a $1 billion valuation, which I mean, for anybody counting 100 times sales. And unfortunately, I think they probably could have got that valuation like a year or two ago, but it, you know, times have changed. So I think they were probably, you know, laughed off the phone by whatever VC they tried to get that with. It's almost like, you know, the dumb money getting smarter, not to say VCs are dumb by any means, but you know, some of the valuations were so absurd for so long that I think they're pulling back and being much more analytical when they come to the deployment of capital. I think that's what we're, we're seeing here. And obviously there was slowdowns in China that we discussed last podcast. Uh, however, though, like China stocks actually did pretty well this week. So Baba, uh, Baidu, they both posted earnings as well. And so those stocks are starting to rally. There's always this kind of overarching fear that at any moment now, China can can lock down, right? I think Shanghai is just coming out of lockdown themselves. So what are your like thoughts overall on, on China right now? Is that something you're, you're waiting and seeing where this goes from a macro environment? Or are you looking to, to get into some of these China stocks? Yeah, so like you said, you know, Alibaba, Baidu, Pinduoduo, all these companies came out and actually had some pretty good results. I used to dabble in Chinese stocks years back and I just slowly lost the trust of those stocks and the government especially because you know out of nowhere they could just say you know what we're not going to allow this anymore like you see in the chinese education industry they were no longer allowing certain schools or 
or certain business models within their education industry. So they just completely flipped it on the on their heads. And you know, a lot of those stocks were cut 80 to 90% in a flash. So I just feel like, you know, I don't want exposure to that market anymore. I will gladly watch what's happening um, with those companies. But no, I in no way want exposure directly to any of those names anymore. I don't want to make any claims that they're going to go into Taiwan, but that's always something in the back of my head that that could happen. And that would have massive impact uh, across the board globally. So that is one of the major threats to the market going forward, if that were ever to occur, especially when it comes to all things semiconductors. So while I really hope that that never happens, that, that would be like the, the biggest risk to the market. But like NEO and a lot of other EV stocks have been very popular, which we've seen trending on stock twits, including like Rivian, Lucid, all those guys. And, you know, I always hear the same thing, you know, Lucid, NEO, this could be the next Tesla. Anytime anybody ever uses that argument against me, like, hey, this could be the next blah, blah. I just say, why don't you just own Tesla? Like, why try to find the next Tesla? When Tesla is an incredible company with an incredible future, like you don't have to get, you don't have to overcomplicate things. Yeah. Well, that just brings up a good point though, too. Now I'm just putting these all together, right? So with Elon, you know, making this bid here for Twitter, that could have a really interesting global impact. Like what if China says do X, Y, Z to Twitter or else we're going to shut down everything in China of, of Tesla. Like, is that something that is realistic or am I off my uh, rocker here? Well, no, I think Elon's handled the China situation very well. You know, most U.S. companies, when they go over to China, they have to have like this big joint venture thing. And, you know, he's he's been able to do a lot of things with Tesla over there that no other companies have. So maybe it's because of like the environmental aspect of it. You know, it's better and the pollution such a, a major issue in China. But no, I don't think they would ever try to leverage it like that. And I think the last person you really want to try to, you know, put in a corner back against the wall is a guy like Elon Musk. So obviously we saw Netflix skin crush, which opened the door for the new meme stock, Redbox, ticker symbol RDBX. It's been trending on and off with the stock twits ticker of the week. After reported earnings, traders have been kind of going all over the volatility, right? So it's a great stock for traders recently. So is this like almost like the new SPAC craze again, or I don't think we we're quite ready for that, right? No, I've seen a lot of SPACs get, you know, just see these massive moves and become the next meme stocks. And you see GameStop's been taken off again. Redbox, I, I always look at these, you know, so-called new meme stocks and, and just try to analyze them as much as I can. And, you know, Redbox, they just got like the little video rental stands that you'll see. Uh, there's a lot of like by 7-Eleven and, and different stores like that. I just look at it as, you know, like from a fundamental standpoint, and I just want absolutely nothing to do with it. I think one of the other SPACs that is, you know, taken off and come back, taken off and come back is Black Rifle Coffee. And, you know, that one is interesting because of the business model, the growth rate, uh, the management team and everything. But it, it's still one of those, you know, it's almost like anything that comes public via SPAC has a certain stink to it. And it just makes it much harder to get involved as an investor. So mm -hmm. yeah, it, while this might be the new meme stock, you know, I'm staying far away from that one because I just don't think the business model of Redbox is something I want exposure to. Yeah. I, I would certainly agree there. Let's dig into to retail a little bit here before we move to the tech stocks and, and what's happening for earnings here this week. So 
And it, it kind of brings up a good question, right? So we saw Target and Walmart get pretty hit last week, but then Best Buy actually did very well on their earnings, right? And they've been cruising up 15%, 15.5% here in the last five days. So, so it begs this question, right? You look at Snapchat, for example, like if Snap's ads are down, does that necessarily mean that Google's ads are going to be down, for example, right? That's something that a lot of people try to put parallels. And I know that's something Tony kind of instilled in me early on was that, you know, a spade is a spade, right? So you look for similar companies and they either will go up in parallel or go down in parallel, but we didn't see it here with Best Buy. So how much, I guess, stock do you put into these stocks that are similar, right? Are they going to have similar earnings in your mind? Clearly we saw it. Not the case always with Best Buy. Well, yeah, it's one of those, you know, retail, it's so hard following the trends and everything. Like you see a Walmart didn't do all that great and Target didn't do all that great. And, you know, Target's huge in my family. So to see them miss the mark was kind of shocking. Just seeing like my credit card bill of how much is spent at Target. But then you have companies like Costco, Crush It. And in the same sense, Big Lots had a big miss. Ulta absolutely crushed it. So it's almost like these individual cases where I don't think it's all of retail getting crushed. It's just, you know, certain ones are taken off while others are, are seeing more of a margin impact than others. So maybe it comes down to supply chain. But when I, I look at best supply chains, you got to put Walmart and Target right up there in there. So it's almost like the, you know, the basket mix from consumers. So it's retail is such a hard space. And yeah, I want to find, you know, the, the leaders in the certain space. And you really have to have that omni-channel approach where you want the stores and e-commerce because just strictly e-commerce is not doing all that great. So I think if you want to dabble in this space, you know, go with the tried and true monsters that dominate their niches, like an Ulta. I think that's a prime example. Or, you know, like a Lululemon has had, they, their earnings report was fantastic, but it's come down so significantly since that there's been some great names that have pulled back with the overall weakness of, I guess, like the, the industry in general. So yeah, you really want to pick the companies you believe in the most that still have the strong fundamentals. I definitely agree, Joey. We're coming up here at the end. It is Memorial Day weekend, folks. So really spend some time with your family. Uh, obviously a tragic week here. So give your family an extra hug, given everything that's happened in Texas and everything throughout the U.S. So really hoping that Everyone uh, has a safe and productive Memorial Day. Let's finish this off here with some earnings for next week. Again, Monday, nothing as the stock market will be closed here for Memorial Day. We got earnings spotlight, as I mentioned previously, that we got Salesforce uh, that's going to be coming up on, on Tuesday, as well as GameStop, which you just mentioned here on Wednesday is going to be popping up as well as Thursday, Lululemon. So we just got, we just talked to all these stocks and they're all coming up here on earnings. So you are ahead of the game, my friend here, Joey, but. Since Tony's not here, man, I'm going to give you the mic to give people some thoughts here for the week ahead. You got the mic, brother. Yeah, I mean, it. we finally had a bit of an up week. So, you know, while I want to say get excited, uh, this could carry over to next week, we really don't know yet. So I would say enjoy your weekend, enjoy your family, hug your kids extra, enjoy your time. And, you know, just try to forget about the stock market for the weekend. Come in next week. Let's, let's see how the earnings come out. Let's see, you know, what kind of data we get. And hopefully we can use this as a first up week and build on that. But, you know, it's too early to make any specific calls. But like I said, keep looking for those high quality, best in breed businesses with, you know, strong growth rates, great margins, ironclad balance sheets, and 
and you'll get through this regardless of what happens next week or the following month, next month, everything. And with that being said, Pounders, have a great weekend. Money, we'll see moves. you back here next week. That's a big move. Yeah. Make a play, don't talk about it. Master P, I'm about it, about it. This one here for all that try to count me out and they still counting. Honestly, I never doubt it. Say the top is never crowded. Well, I'm trying to climb the mountain till I need a few accountants. Stock is rising, perfect timing. I'm in Brickle with the try. Shawty sliding, she want sushi. She want eel sauce for the rice. I just peel off with the light.